So we're going to have the finally, final sermon on the series on the Mass. Uh, <laughs> well, the Mass is end. It's, 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 I'm getting to the end. So, um, uh, We finished up last week talking about what we do with ourselves during after we receive communion. And after the distribution of communion is, is finished, everything kind of returns then back to the, to the altar where we have the purification. And now different priests do different things. Sometimes they purify on the altar. Sometimes they purify at the, um, the credence table. Sometimes they purify after mass. All of those are options that the, the church gives. I like to purify here at the altar as this reminder to us that even the smallest little crumb is fully Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Every little drop is fully Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So I'm not going to like leave Jesus in the ciborium or leave Jesus in the chalice a little bit left over so that when the roaches do their thing, because the roaches do their thing, even after you spray. We found one. Actually, I, I found it really funny. After Mass, I walked down and there was a dead roach <laughs> right there. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, So I don't want to leave Jesus anywhere. I want him all to be consumed or to be in the tabernacle. And so I, I'm very intentional about doing that purification just as a reminder for all of us like, of the reality of the Eucharist, that it is fully Jesus, not just merely a symbol. If it was a symbol, I wouldn't need to, to wash the dishes <laughs> for everybody to see. Nobody washes the dishes for everybody to see. In fact, uh, in my first parish, there was a deacon who was purifying, and his little grandson, who was probably about three, looks up to his grandmother and he says, why is grandpa doing the dishes in front of everybody? <laughs> yep, that happened before too. Anyway, because it's that important that it's worth doing. And after I sit down, I intentionally leave some silence. Before, before we stand up to pray. And that silence isn't this awkward silence of like, now that Father's finished, his eyes are closed, did he fall asleep? Like, no, it's an opportunity for us to just be with the Lord. Now that we've received him in our very bodies, we can just be with him. And then we stand. The priest says, let us pray. And then he prays the prayer after communion. And that prayer after communion is different every Sunday. I encourage you to pay attention to it because what it is, is the, the culmination. It's a prayer like bringing together everything that we've spent the last hour, hour and a half praying with. And it's this prayer that kind of like closes everything. And after the prayer, the whole congregation responds, Amen. And then the priest will say, Peace be with you. And everybody will respond, And with your spirit. And then he'll give the blessing. There are three types of blessings. There's the blessing that you experience at most Masses, where, May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
There's also the threefold blessing that happens during special times during the uh, liturgical year, during Advent, during Lent, during a big feast day, where the, the, the priest will pray three separate blessings, and there'll be three separate amens. And then the third type of blessing, third, third type of blessing, uh, is, is the, the blessing of a bishop. Now when the bishop, man, my the look today, when the bishop blesses, he does a threefold blessing. He goes, he goes three times because he has the fullness of holy orders. He is our apostle. And so he gives us this special blessing. And then after the blessing, the priest or the deacon, if there's a deacon there, will tell the whole congregation the dis- give the dismissal. There are four different options for the dismissal. Go forth, the mass is ended. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Or just go in peace. Now, the priest or the deacon isn't saying that just so that they can be like, okay, now we're done, go ahead, leave. I don't want to see your faces anymore <laughs> till next week. Go. No, the intention and the purpose of that dismissal, which in the Latin is where we get the word mass. In the Latin, it's ite misa est. And that's where we get the word mass from, translated into English. But he, we're being sent out. We're, we're, he's saying, go. Go back out into the world and be Christ now in the world. That what we have received, we now need to become for the world. Just as Christ has been the light for us, he now enables us to be the light in the world. That is a missionary sending. Every single Catholic all around the world is a missionary. You are missionaries being sent out into the missionary ground of Marrero, Louisiana. I was talking, I have some parishioners from my previous parish here. And we were talking, they were like, man, there's so many really nice houses as we were driving up. This is real nice. And I was like, yeah, most of those people are not getting a mass. Whose responsibility is that? It's not just mine. (laughs) Have you invited your neighbor to mass? Like, hey, I'm going to church this weekend. You want to come with me? I got this really weird hobbit-looking priest. And he brings us Jesus. It's awesome. Like you, God is, he's enabling you. He's giving you everything you need through the scriptures and through himself in the Eucharist so that you can be him in the midst of the world. This this time, this hour or hour and a half, is intended to transform us so that when we leave, we are different from them when we arrived. 
If we go back out and just do the same thing that we did last week, like pinky in the brain. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's my 90s brain going. Uh, if we do the same thing that we did last week that we did the previous week, then, then everything that God intended to give to us, we didn't open ourselves up enough to receive. Every week we are um, intended to be a little bit different than the, we were the week before. And if you remember, going all the way back to September, when we talked about the theology of the architecture of the church, if you remember, this is the east with the land of the rising sun. And then we go out in the west where the sun darkens. Because we're going back into the darkness of the world. And when you walk outside that church, make sure you look up again. Because what is there? It's the fact that the risen Christ brings light in the midst of the darkness. And that we are intended to be the risen Christ to every single person that we meet. So when you hear those, when you hear those words and you respond, thanks be to God, those words are the missionary sending out just as Christ sent the apostles right before he ascended into heaven. Go. That's what he told his disciples. Go and baptize all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then after the final blessing and after the dismissal, come down and we pray two prayers the prayer for against hurricanes, and then the St. Michael prayer. And there's two reasons that we pray the St. Michael prayer. The first is because Archbishop Amen told us to. <laughs> and we're just being obedient to the bishop, right? Because he asked us to, to pray because of the violence, and he knows, he knows how powerful the evil one is. One, because of Bishop two. Second, in the 1880s, Pope Leo XIII, in his prayer one day, had a vision of the evil one infiltrating and trying to destroy the church and the world. And that he was going to spend specifically the 20th century to do everything that he could. Now, most of you are children of the 20th century. And if you aren't, you're children of children of the 20th century. It was a mess. That century was a mess. And it continues to be. <laughs> and so he composed the prayer to St. Michael to give to the whole church to pray for protection against the evil one. He is real. This isn't just the figment of the imagination of the church to create a bogeyman so that we can pin evil on something outside of ourselves. No, the evil one and his minions exist. As a priest, I've, I've seen this manifest personally. It's terrifying. And if we don't acknowledge that his sole aim is to damn us, 
is to pull us away from God into eternal death. And if we don't recognize that he's constantly doing that, he does not sleep. And that he wants to destroy the world. So we pray that prayer as this reminder to us, one, that he wants to do that. Two, that he doesn't have any power over God. Or St. Michael, or the Blessed Virgin Mary, or St. Joseph. That he's a little peon, a little ant, nipping at our feet, but that our God is more powerful than him. And there's nothing that we need to be afraid of if we're attentive. Because our God is more powerful than the evil one. And he hates that, he, that I'm telling you this. Because <laughs> he wants, to, wants you to live in fear. Why do you think every single possessive movie is terrifying? He wants us to live in fear. But what do we have to be afraid of? The angel Gabriel said to the Blessed Virgin Mary, with God, all things are possible. So we pray that prayer to guard ourselves and to remind ourselves that when we walk back into the world, we are walking back into darkness. We're walking back into the domain of the prince of this world. Now, one final rhetorical question. When does Mass end? In other words, when can we leave? Well, some might think, well, the final blessing, I've gotten my blessing from the priest, I can go now. The Mass ends at the end of the procession, or the recession if you will. Because it's symbolically, I am leading you as your father and as your priest back into the world. And you're singing this hymn in glory to God for the gift that you have given, but also preparing yourself then to go back into the world. Now let's be honest, their song and that melody is not a joyful one for the most part. It's a divisive one. There are points of joy for sure. There's a lot of brokenness too. So we sing that song and we walk out together as this final act of communally saying, okay, we're ready to go and, and be Christ to the world. So I invite you, when you hear those words at the end of Mass, go. Don't be like, yes, he's finally done. <laughs> it's the best, the little kids, because they can't help themselves. We had, at the vigil mass, we had, he's a like, little three-year-old. And man, I, I was about three-quarters of the way of the mass, and I go, I hear, <gasps> I'm like, it's like this unconscious thing, like, Father, hurry up. Or in my previous parish, I've had one guy, without fail, like three quarters of the way, he would kind of like look at his watch and then look at me <laughs> on a not so subtle way of like, Father, you're taking too long. Like, what do you need to get to at 8.30 in the morning? Anyway, 
Like, no, this, this time is a sanctuary. This is like this little womb, this little place of grace, this little place of heaven. There's no reason for us to need to want to run away from it. If anything, we, we need to form within ourselves the desire to run towards it. Because it's the place where we can encounter the living God. And it is worth dwelling in and staying in.